so good to be with you and see everybody here. Uh, unfortunately, I think the time has caught up with us already, so I'll have to cut a bit short. We've had such a wonderful teachings about the family of God and God's home. And uh, now if I think of it, if God lives in me, what can go wrong? Shouldn't we as a body of Christ just have a life of bliss? But unfortunately, of course, like my own family, as much as I would love or believe that Delesti and I has been blessed by God far above what we could think or believe with the most wonderful family. But whenever we have a reunion, that happens about twice, uh, 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 once every two years, then uh, Relationships are severely tested. Uh, and this reunion usually lasts about 10 or 12 days. Now, iemand heeft gesê, familie bijeenkomst is soos vis. Na drie dagen gaat het af en dan my jou reik And I remember uh, old gospel singer, she was when she turned 80, and the, the people asked her, Eva, Tell us about your family. She says, oh, I've got such a wonderful family. I've got eight children, and I've got about just 50 grandchildren and great-grandchildren. He says, we love each other so much, and it's so, so wonderful when we get together. She says, but after three days, all H-E double toothpicks breaks loose, and then we've got to go home. So we all have these attacks, our own family, our health, our finances, grandchildren unemployed, grandchildren falling in love and making stupid choices. And, but that keeps Opa and Oma on their knees. Just one year ago, I feared that I was going to lose my wife. That was chaos incorporated. But you know, the same applies to this family. This temple. Relationships will be tested. In our cell groups, relationships will be tested. And there will be chaos many days. Heartache, disappointment. Now, how do we as a household react to these challenges? I just want you to leave this one scripture. And this scripture keeps me I am reminded about it constantly, every day. Colossians 1.27, Christ in me, my only hope of glory. And my own paraphrase, Christ in me, my only hope of ever attaining to his character and personality. And Malachi 3 verse 2 and 3 says, He will sit like a refining of silver, burning away the dross. For he will be like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. The church, this temple, is not an audience to be entertained, my brother and sister, but an army to be empowered. And this training, and the training in this 
army is mostly extremely tough. God uses the heat of life to purify us into a pure picture of him. Now the other motivation for this message this morning is the underlying fear that prevails in the whole, whole world. And it affects the temple of God as well. Wars, rumors of wars, terrible earthquakes, pestilence, famine, unemployment, corruption, murders. And we are not spared from this. Hence, the title of my message, Trusting God in the Midst of Chaos. Now, this message is not all about doom and gloom. I see some of you are already depressed. <laughs> uh, but just to lift your depression, I'm going to start with something light. I'm going to tell you a few stories. Uh, but just keep this in mind. Our God is not phased. He is totally in control. All of creation and all what is happening all over the world is about Christ and his bride, God and his temple. Now, how many of you have ever experienced chaos in your lives? Can I see the hands? Extreme chaos? No, I can guarantee you, if you have three or more children living with you in the home, at the same time, I will guarantee you moments of extreme chaos. Now, most of you, or many of you, are uh, well known about our story with our family, but for those who do not know, I'll just, just bear with me. I'll just uh, want to tell you one or two stories. We had three children, and then with the fourth pregnancy, the Lord and the Lestie blessed me with triplet sons. So we had six children within seven years. Now, we planned for one, but the others just arrived. Yeah. <laughs> for us, there was no such thing as an ordinary day. Friends and family never invited us more than once for a meal or for a visit. Because wherever we went, something was bound to happen. I can remember my little girl, she was only three years old. I was working in a, I had a pharmacy in Pongola, up in Northern Natal. And uh, I'd given a, bought a little packet, a, a lucky packet. And in, in the lucky packet with sweets, usually it's a little small toy. So after she'd eaten the sweets, the toy was a little small plastic car. She parked this car up her nostril. <laughs> so she starts crying when she can't, can't get this out. Mom rushes to me with, with a crying kid. And I take her to the doctor at the back. This guy was a huge guy, eh? and uh, uh, he had hands the size of dinner plates. Now, he's trying to dig this car out of my daughter's nose, and eventually says to me, he says, rush to the hospital because I've pushed it over, and I don't know whether it's in her lungs or where she swallowed it. It was chaos. It was chaos. Then one of the triplet boys, all of a sudden, man, me and my wife, we discovered this guy's breath is smelling to high heaven. So we brushed it, we, we tried all kinds of toothpaste, even sunlight soap, but nothing happened. And then I saw, but this little boy's nose is growing, not longer, but just growing bigger. Then I found he'd stuffed both nostrils 
with beans, and these were germinating now. <laughs> now, can you imagine? Can you try to keep this little boy down and make a, 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 a yickle knot to, to try and get these beans out? It was chaotic. I'm telling you more stories than, I, than I'm preaching today. <laughs> and then one day we were visiting a farmer out on the farm. And uh, it was dusk, beautiful, and these old, old, uh, old houses with the stairs up to the loft at the, uh, on top, and the smallest of the triplets ran up the stairs, and he was standing on top, and we were all standing chatting. The next thing, a two-meter mamba comes around the corner and starts sailing up towards Mike. So we, towards this boy, so we're all shouting to him, jump, jump, and he is... Uh, 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 totally uh, flabbergasted, he doesn't know what to do, and he starts climbing down towards the snake. That was chaos. But you know, the funny part is that whenever I tell this story in, in the Ukraine, after the service, everybody came to me, what happened to the snake? <coughs> they couldn't be worried about my son. I just said, well, guess what? My son is still alive. Now fast forward 25 years. Our 19 grandchildren are giving their parents their share of blood and thunder. God bless them. Payback time is sweet. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, right here this morning, in this building and across our beautiful land, some of us and many others are facing chaos. I just want to encourage you with these scriptures. Psalm, it's not on there. Psalm 61 verse 2 says, From the ends of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 94 says, In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights me. Then I remember Andre Crouch he used to be a popular uh, 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 gospel singer. And one of his songs says, If you've never had a problem, you'd never know that God could solve them. So maybe you cannot forgive yourself for things done in your past. And you are letting your past control your present and your future. Maybe some of you have lost your jobs or you have been unemployed for a length of time. Some face a marriage crisis. Some face a business failure and subsequent financial crisis. Family illness. Unexpected tragedy or death in your family. Broken families. Or, on a very personal note, alcohol or substance abuse, pornography, anger outbursts that affects the whole family. And you're wondering, how can I face the rest of this year. But what can we learn from chaos? What can we do to survive the coming storm? On the whole world scene, scene, it seems as if the world is really spinning out of control. Significant things are going to happen. Just listening to the news makes you depressed. There isn't the Bible, however. This story, the account of Jesus walking on the water on the Sea of Galilee, amidst a terrible storm. The story tells us what to do when you feel like going under, when chaos reigns in your life, when fear grabs you by the throat and tries to 
drown you what you should do. I'm going to read to you Matthew 14, verse 22 to 29. Immediately Jesus made, the uh, real text says, he strongly urged them. He forced his disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the, two, on the fourth watch of the night, just Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they called out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the water, he walked in the water to Jesus. Then James 1 verse 1 from the message. The caption there is, Faith under pressure. Consider it sheer, a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't get out or squirm out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Can we just close our eyes a moment? Lord Jesus, teach us how to learn, help us how to learn, to trust you in the day of trouble, and the hour of chaos when we go through a terrible storm to the other side. Amen. I want to discuss with you a few important things about the dynamics of surviving chaos in the midst of a great storm. Point number one. Chaos does not mean something is wrong with you. In other words, when you experience extreme difficulties or loss, something is not, there's nothing wrong with you. Chaos does not mean that God is angry with you. Or that God does not love you. Or that God has rejected you. Chaos does not mean that if you were in the perfect will of God, you wouldn't be in the storm. In other words, chaos only strikes when you are outside the will of God for your life. Listen. Chaos is a normal part of life. Unfortunately, sometimes the impression is left that if you accept Jesus, everything will become a bed of roses. On the contrary, struggle is the essence of spiritual growth and development. A mighty oak tree begins with a small kernel of seed. It germinates and this tender little stem has got to fight its way to the surface where it's subjected to where there's got to face the winds and the rain and the hail and the snow and the hot sun year after year to become a beautiful oak tree. Jesus commanded his disciples to get into the boat. The original text says he gave them no choice. 
he knew the storm was coming. And that the, that the disciples were going to go head on into trouble and adversity. They were about to face their worst fear. They were going to look death straight in the eye. Now, that is chaos. Why the storm? Whether it's a physical storm, whether it's an emotional storm, or a spiritual or financial storm. Why? My brothers and sisters, experience is not the best teacher. It is the only teacher. Because it is only in the storm that your faith can grow. Only when it is tested by fire that you only know how pure your faith is. Only when you are tested that your character can develop. Only in the storm can you discover the power of God to deliver you. Only in the storm do you call upon the Lord and find him to the, be the ever-present help in the time of trouble. The storm develops your confidence. And as your confidence is, so is your capacity. Let me explain. God sent David a lion to kill. And then the bear to kill before he sent the giant Goliath to kill. God is saying that the battle you are fighting now is designed to develop your confidence. If you win this one, the next storm or battle will be a bit bigger. But you will have the confidence because of your past victory. If you win that one, and the next storm, God is transforming you from a pure warmer to a lion of God. Do you get the picture? God is doing something great in your life. The old cliche, God is more concerned about our character than about our comfort. Jesus had commanded them to go before him to the other side. Their safe arrival was guaranteed. We are all sailing across the sea of life. And some of us are in a great storm right now. God did not promise plain sailing. But he did promise you will reach the other side. Notice that Jesus didn't come instantly when the disciples called. He allowed them to stay. He allowed them to stay in the storm for a number of hours before he came to their assistance. Jesus came walking to them on their fourth watch, which is between 3 and 6 a.m. Why didn't he come instantly? Surely he must have heard them cry. Why? Because God's delays are not God's denials. Just because he does not answer instantly does not mean that he is not going to answer at all. He is waiting for persistence to overcome the resistance you are experiencing. He is trying to develop in you that characteristics of endurance. For those who endure to the end, the same shall be saved. The resistance of water is necessary for boats to float. 
the resistance of air is necessary for planes to fly. The resistance of gravity is necessary for you and I to be able to walk. God puts us through situations, struggle, resistance. Therefore, struggle is necessary to develop you, to develop you into who you are going to be in the kingdom of God. God never used anyone in the Bible before he put them through the university of adversity, before he allowed them to become a leader in God's kingdom. Think of Joseph, Moses, David, Daniel. And you will have your adversity before you reach the other side. But God is going to make a champion of grace of every one of you that you may be a vessel of honor in the kingdom of God. There's nothing that you and I can do to force spiritual growth. As much as we want to be older and seem to be more mature, maturity comes as a result of experience, of a learning process. A little girl who wears, who puts on a mom's dress isn't mature. Neither does carrying a big Bible, excuse me for that, a big Bible speaking in tongues and prophesying the degree in theology make, make you mature Christians. Although we all need knowledge, and knowledge of the word of God is paramount for spiritual growth. But experience in putting this word of God into practice against all hardships and adversities brings about maturity. No amount of conferences or Christian seminars causes maturity. It takes time and practice. Every stage of growth is wonderful. It's marvelous. Babyhood is not a shame. We all started as babes in Christ. Neither is the childhood stage or the young adult stage. And then finally, sonship. It is, a, however, a shame when you do not progress past a particular stage. Salvation is not a merit badge received for having sat 20 years in a church pew. It is a way of life that is progressive. My second point. Chaos and struggle usually has profound spiritual purpose and meaning. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and when he was sold a second time in Egypt to Potiphar, and falsely accused by Potiphar's wife for rape, and then sent to prison innocently, that must have been chaos, extreme chaos. Sitting in the prison cell year after year after year, knowing that you are absolutely innocent. Joseph had the right to pull out his hair and scream, where is God when I really need him? Why is he silent when I need to hear a word about why I am, about why I am going through all this? But listen, God Almighty saw the future. Joseph, being human, could only see the day. 
Ons kyk ons vast in ons, al die probleme hier voor ons. Ons denkt nie aan, what God is trying to attain in our lives. Do you know who else feels like that? Every man and woman who has had to work through a divorce, who after many years or of struggling financially, you lose your job or your business. Or every person who has had a good picture of what their family should look like, but has to see how the family falls apart and look different as to what they had envisaged, no matter how hard they had tried. Every parent of a child who has poured him or, or herself into his child, to see that child moving along the good path, but stand powerless as you see your child making bad choices and you have no control over it. Or the greatest tragedy of heartache when death comes knocking unexpectedly and take a child or a spouse or a friend from you. I know of some people who've followed God and put everything in following Him. But now they are at a stage when they just look back at their lives and say, you know what? It was all for nothing. It didn't work for us. That is chaos. But the God we serve is too wise to make a mistake. And He is too loving to be unkind and he sees the world of tomorrow. Listen, God sent Joseph to prison in Egypt so he could become prime minister because the Jewish people needed a place so a family of 70 would become a nation of millions over a period of 430 years. Secondly, God needed special people to write down the word of God the truth that would crush the power of principalities and powers. Thirdly, God needed a nation that would give us prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, etc., to portray for us the world tomorrow, to show what is going to happen tomorrow, all written down in the Bible. Fourthly, through Jesus' struggle and chaos, God gave the world a nation that would give us the Messiah, Jesus Christ would go to the cross and redeem the world from sin. His blood, his blood would make you and you and you whiter than snow. Our sin and iniquities will be rem remembered no more and never be brought up again. Think about that, my brother and sister. Joseph could not see tomorrow, but God used the chaos and struggle in his life to change the destiny of the world. When you struggle, go through adversity, think about the possibility that God is using your struggle and your adversity to do something for the next generation that you will never see. It is when you face difficulties that you realize your potential. The only difference between a worthless shell on the beach and a pearl is the grain of sand that irritated it year after year after year. And that constant irritation became a work of beauty that is priceless, a beautiful pearl. 
See the adversity that you are going through as a work of God's majestic art and he is going to change it into a life-changing theme for the next generation. Our third point. Chaos and struggle forces us to find a new way to face the future. Why? Because the things that we trust in today will fail us tomorrow. Finances, the US dollar, the pound, the rand, the stock exchange, Wall Street, JSC, all could fail us tomorrow. People will fail you. Jesus had disciples who said, I'll fight and die with you. Days later they said, I do not know this man. People will do that to us. How many brides and grooms have walked down the aisle, stood before God and the church and made a covenant with one another? And then one of them broke that covenant and broke the other one's heart after putting their trust in that person. That's chaotic. Anger. Where is God to allow something like that to happen? You may think there's no answer for me. God has a thousand answers that you have not thought of. Things and people in which and whom you trust will fail you. The winds that initially helped the disciples to cross the, the, uh, the Sea of Galilee yesterday were now contrary against them and was failing them today. Where do you go when the storms of life become greater than what you can endure? You go to the one whom the winds and the waves obey, Jesus. He is the rock of my salvation. The shelter in the time of storm or chaos. My fortress and my deliverer. He is the God who heals. He is the God who supplies all our needs. Who alone gives perfect peace. All hail the power of Jesus' name. How great is our God. Fourth point, ignore the winds and the waves in the storm. Stop looking at your circumstances and start looking at your opportunities. Peter was doing just fine walking on the water. In the raging storm, with the winds roaring and the waves pounding, he was doing the impossible. Why? Because his eyes were focused on Jesus Christ. He was walking on the water to the Son of God who was and still is the only answer. Peter was doing fine until he started looking at the size of the waves and the howling winds. And fear grabbed him and he began to sink and believe death was imminent. My brothers and sisters, a terrible temptation we all have in times of panic or trouble is what can be called catastrophic, catastrophe, catastrophe worship. Look how bad things are going to be. Look how big Goliath is. Full scale war. What if the government does this or that? What if the doctor says? What if so and so becomes president? I nearly mentioned his name. Stop saying what if and start saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can survive this financial crisis because I'm standing on this solid rock. I can overcome 
this sickness, by his stripes I'm healed. I do not fear, for perfect love drives out all fear. The Bible says, nothing is impossible for those who believe. We should stop looking down, uh, stop looking down and start looking up. I'll cut it short, but I'll just make this one more point. When you're under storm, look for Jesus to show up, show up in the most unexpected time and way. Matthew 14:25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. Jesus came to the disciples in an unexpected way, walking on the water. Now, that is not something we see every day. But the thing that was about to destroy the disciples, namely water, Jesus used as a sidewalk to walk to them and save them. And he will do the very same for you and I. Another example, Jesus' unexpected appearance on earth through the womb of a virgin. No one expected the disciples, uh, uh, the, the, the Messiah, to come in this way. The world was looking for a Messiah on a white horse and a sword and legions of soldiers to fight Rome to the death. But here comes Jesus, God's answer in a manger, a baby born in poverty. The point is that God is trying to bring us the answer, and most of the time we miss it because we are looking in another direction and not expecting God to show up in the way he chooses to show up. My brothers and sisters, and when Christ returns for his bride, it will for sure not be as we have expected. We have studied and worked out how it is going to, be, uh, going to happen step by step, in some cases even the day that is going to arrive, but it will not be as we thought it would be. The king is coming. But the when and how will be a surprise to us all. says, what appears to be tragedy are the words, fear not. Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer, fear not. The message in the storm is, fear not, don't be afraid of it. Don't run from it, face it head on, run towards it. The words of Jesus used, that Jesus used often in his ministry were, in his ministry were fear not. Fear not the past, it's forgiven and forgotten. Fear not the future, angels of God going before you. Fear not your enemies, they will come to you one way, but God will disperse and scatter them and they will leave you in several ways. Fear not today, the God of hosts is with you. The blood of the cross is on you. The word of God is in your mouth. Fear not the chaos around you. Our hope is not in the government or money or possessions. Our hope is in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, worthy is the Lamb. If you want to hear the rest, attend the second service. All right. I just want to finish with this. Stop allowing your past to control your future. Learn from the past, but don't keep living in the past. Listen for God's word of direction. It will be very simple. All of us want to hear from God through technicolor dreams or uh, trumpets of angels or somebody prophesying for us. All Peter heard was, come. And he obeyed. And he stepped out of his comfort zone. And he experienced faith on a level he had never experienced before. So listen for God's word of direction. It will be very simple and very clear. And when you hear his voice, the storm will 
turmoil will cease. Your life will be changed forever. Second Chronicles 20:17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Listen here. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace within difficulties. It's easy to be motivated when everything is going well. The goal is to stay disciplined when things get tough. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, how can I face this time in my life? We tend to forget that you are in our lifeboat and you promise never to leave or forsake us. Your promises are yes and amen. And by faith we come to you this morning to lay down all our burdens your feet. Here we are, Lord. Break us, melt us, mold us. Use a storm in our lives to change us more and more into your likeness. Bless those who need healing. Comfort those who experience disappointment. Dry the tears. Stand and sing the song.